0: Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast, episode 18 on this season, and we're getting to the midpoint. I'm joined, as always, by Ben Mandel and John Pauline. Dylan Mill also making another appearance on the pod. But let's get it going here. Lots to cover, especially with one of baseball's biggest mouths. Talking Alec Manoa from the Blue Jays, getting right into it. One of the most outspoken players in baseball. One of the biggest Yankee haters there is. He got demoted to the Florida Complex League. He has a six three six ERA on the year. He has the most walks in the majors. His velos declined in every aspect of the game. And he's given up more stolen bases in 58 innings this year. 12 stolen bases. Then in his first two years combined, which is eight, he's just missing the mark everywhere. He didn't get demoted to AAA or AA or single. He got demoted all the way to the start of of his uh, ladder up to the majors. Guys, what do you think of this? Should he be worried or is this something he's going to bounce back from?
1: Look, I think there is obvious concern when this is a guy who we were we were talking about being in the Cy Young conversation this year. I picked him to win the American League Cy Young. This is not a guy that I expected to just take a dip. I actually cut him from my fantasy team about two hours before the news broke that he was being demoted because I was just done with him. He was killing me and he is killing the Blue Jays. And when you get sent down... To a league like this, it's one of two things. You just need to get out of your head, work on what you need to work on, and then they'll start having you rehab kind of start your way back up. But it could just be we need to get this guy out of here as well. The fact that they didn't DFA him leads me to believe that there's still hope. I don't think you give up on someone like this, but really there is definitely – Definitely cause for concern when it comes to Alec Manoa and the Toronto Blue Jays.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd be very concerned if I was a Blue Jays fan. I'd be very concerned if I was an Alec Manoa fan. And, you know, there's two things that you could point to for perhaps a decline. Popular choice would be the pitch clock. Obviously, we knew that that would affect some pitchers. But I don't think it's fair to put the blame solely on the pitch clock here. I think a lot of this has to do with Manoa and the shape that he's in. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to come for the guy's weight, but he came in this season at roughly around 285, 290. Last season, he was about 260. That's a lot of weight to put on for an MLB pitcher who was already above size in that category. You're coming out of shape. You have a 636 ERA. You know, this is to be expected. Um, he's a guy who was very active on social media, posting all these TikToks all the time, clearly focused on that aspect of it. Maybe the send down will be a good spot for him to get his head, right? But it's possible that this guy squandered his MLB opportunity.
0: Yeah, he is really squandering it. And, you know, this is the dark side of what happens when you're just an outspoken person about other teams, people kind of revel in your downfall. Now, hopefully he does get back to form because it's always good being able to play teams and players at their best. But you can argue that it's almost like karma is kind of biting him to kind of humble him a little bit. So it'll be uh, something to watch if he's able to get back. I expect it to be an extended stay down there as he really builds and rebuilds himself. Some other news, some quick hits. The Mets signed former Yankee star Luke Voigt to a minor league deal. Voight bounced around a little bit after getting traded from the Yankees. I hope he gets a shot because Voight's just a fun player to watch. Nolan Jones hit a 472 foot walk off homer in the Rockies 5 4 win over San Diego at Coors. That is the longest walk off home run since StatCast has been tracking home runs, and that is since 2015, 472. That's a bomb. Home Run Derby X, that's the Nick Swisher Run Home Run Derby with former players. That'll be coming to some minor league parks. Maybe it'll be coming up by us eventually. That'll be really fun to see. Johnny Gomes won that one last year. And Ellie De La Cruz, Cincinnati Reds, he debuted last week and has been dazzling in every form of the game, just hitting. He he got a single on a ground ball to the first baseman the other day. Paul Goldschmidt couldn't get the ball off in time. He's throwing the ball over 100 miles an hour from short. He's just he's been playing insane. He's almost like uh, O'Neill Cruz was last year with the Pirates, just a really fun player in the NL Central on a team that you know maybe maybe going somewhere now. I'm starting to think that the Reds might get a spark and uh, overtake a bad division. But time for the biggest story of the week. I think it's Subway Series times, and. The, the state of the Yankees and the Mets are not really something palatable right now. So I'm going to open it up to you guys. You know, Ben, let me hear you first with the Mets. What can the Yankees expect to see out of the Mets and what's going on in uh in uh, the metropolitan world go right now?
1: Well, it's quite the contrast from the last two years, right? I know the Mets in 21 weren't very good, but they were still expected to be good. It was the first year with Lindor. And the Subway Series had a lot of buzz to it. Same thing last year. There was a lot of buzz. These two teams were very, very competitive. They were both leading their divisions, both series when they met, which I think was the first time that had happened in quite some time, if not ever. So really a lot of exciting things going on this year. Yeah, the expectations are there, but the teams, I know for the Mets standpoint, they've been so Bad as of late. They've been on such a skid. I know they were able to snap it with Kodai Senga the other day. I know we're going to see Verlander versus Cole in one of the games in this series. But the Mets, their their offense has been abysmal. They have no Pete Alonso right now, whose batting average has plummeted down into the low 220s. You have Lindor, who's having possibly his worst stretches in Matt, And that's really saying something, considering his year he had in 21. They're just not a very good baseball team right now. I know the RBIs for Lindor and Alonso are there. I don't know how. I don't understand it. Maybe some other guys might start getting things going, but there's a reason why the Mets went out and got Luke Voigt, and it's because there's a good chance that he ends up getting a chance with the big league club soon.
2: Yeah, Ben, things aren't looking too too bright on the Yankee side of things either. A lot of it has to do with injury. I mean, this team just hasn't been – It's healthy form once all season, still waiting on the debut of Carlos Rodon. Severino recently came back. He hasn't looked fantastic. Nestor Cortez not playing great. Now Aaron Judge on the shelf. Stanton just recently returned. So there's a lot of moving pieces for this Yankees team. And I got to say, on one hand, as a Yankees fan, it's very disappointing, right, to see this team not be the complete product. But on the other hand, it's a long season worst just in june just entered june 12 days ago the yankees have done a solid job treading water at this point in the season if aaron judge comes back healthy and by after the all-star break if they can get the full product out there in a really tough al east this team can make a run obviously the rays are playing at a high level so winning the division would be a true uphill battle but getting in through the wild card definitely seems like a realistic outcome at this point in the season for the Yankees. And then you talk about Yankees, Mets, what this series means. You know, there's a little less weight on it right now, in my opinion, just because both teams aren't playing great. Pete Alonzo and Aaron Judge likely out. Um, it's not great. And, you know, like Derek Jeter said, "Tuss, they're just the Mets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally never felt – anything outside of a a camaraderie citywide rivalry with the Mets. They're not rivals, but it is still a fun series. The Yankees are disappointing. They can't do anything when judge isn't there. I don't know what's going on with Severino and Dylan, maybe you could fill me in if you know what's going on, but Severino is somebody I always thought of as like a one B to our one a and Cole. I thought Severino was an ace, but his last few starts have been wildly disappointing and, it just makes me sad seeing what I knew he could be and his potential to what he is now. Maybe he bounces back, but I can't see it. I think the Mets are more likely to win this series and at least win the game I'm going to, which is tomorrow on Tuesday's game, because I just think their offense is a little bit more potent right now. They're a little deeper. Their lineup's a little longer than the Yankees. And they're even though they're losing, they're still able to score runs at a consistent rate. And the Yankees, they lose games three to two, two to one, four to three. They're just not able to to get anything over the top. So I do expect the the Mets to win this series, sweep the Yankees to two games because I just can't see the Yankees offense operating without Judge. Rizzo hasn't gotten a hit in 30 at bat. It's that's the longest streak of his career. It's honestly pathetic. And the Yankees, you know, aren't able to run Stanton out every day. He should be in the field. When you have an outfield of Billy McKinney, Willie Calhoun, and Jake Bowers, what are you doing? Is this the Bronx Bombers-Death Star lineup that we thought of coming into the year? Everybody's hurt, and it's just a disappointing season. Both teams are 9.5 out of their division. The Yankees are barely holding on to a wild card right now. They're the second wild card, a half game up on Houston. The Mets are 3 out of their wild card race. So both teams are still right there knocking on the door. But even if they either team limps into the playoffs, it's not going to go anywhere with the state of either team right now. And I get that it's only June, but right now that's what we have.
1: Yeah, I do want to touch on a few points, Corey. First, confirm Billy McKinney three home runs in this series. Guarantee. He is one of those members of the 21 Mets that uh you know had to come in and he got his shot and he played quite a bit with them before they finally DFA'd him but you know that that's really billy mckinney's career he just goes up plays for a team fills in for someone who's injured when they come back he gets dfa'd he goes somewhere else but i do want to touch on also the camaraderie you, you sense of like you know this rivalry and you you know this very well, Corey. I grew up hating the Yankees. I despised them. I rooted for them to lose until you I met hated, me, right? Even even through high school, you know, I just hated, hated, hated the Yankees. I was so I don't want to say jealous of their success because really in my lifetime, I only remember one World Series title for the Yankees. A lot of winning seasons, but a lot of you know falling short. But it just, I I hated the complaining. Like, why are you guys complaining when I, my team is a literal black hole, right? And, <laughs> you know, the last thing I do want to say, you, you know, you talk about Severino and not getting to see him reach his full potential when you saw what he could potentially be. I, I also don't want to hear it, Corey. <laughs> I don't. I do not want to hear about all the pitchers and what they could have been, ben, you know, for the Yankees no because we
0: have faced more adversity so than the much. New York Yankees.
1: Uh, and that right there is why I grew up hating the Yankees I do feel more of that like you know camaraderie I hate the Yankees when I'm playing them I want to beat them really badly but outside of that I don't care I think I you know the city of New York it's more exciting when both teams are good and I've grown to appreciate that
2: yeah for sure Corey you mentioned asking me what's going on with Luis Severino and you know contract year for him injury starting to pile up maybe he just doesn't have it like he once did and i think there's certain expectations that come with expected to be the second guy when in reality that's not what he should have been this season luis severino should have been the yankees three or four pitcher behind cole and rodon and even maybe behind nestor depending on how you looked at it And now they're relying on him to be that second ace coming back from injury. I'm sure he rushed his progress just to try and get back out there for the team and knowing that it's a contract year for him that he has to play. And maybe he rushed it. Maybe he's not ready to be back out there. I'm not so sure. However, I do want to speak on your prediction for the Mets to win game one of this series and then maybe the Yankees take game two because it's these two teams. It'll be the exact opposite. Somehow Jake Bowers, McKinney will hit homers off of Scherzer. And then when you think the Yankees have momentum, Verlander will
0: dominate over Cole yet again. I hope you're right. I'm going to be at game one. Me and a bu- me and a couple buddies got tickets. So I hope the Yankees do take that one. I just can't see it happening. Other big news. Andrew McCutcheon joins the 2000 hit club. He is number 291 of this elusive club. And, There are four active players to have 2,000 hits. Can you guys guess? Give me a quick couple guesses on who the four active players are. Just give me one, Dylan. Go. I have one good guess. I'm going Joey Votto. Joey Votto is in the club. Ben, give me two.
1: All right. I I will say I'm going to put out here. I think I know all four. I'm going to go Miguel Cabrera first.
0: Miggy, obviously. John, give me one.
3: I have to think now because Miguel Cabrera was mine. Uh, Sorry, John. Oh man, I can't, think, I'm drawing you, a blank
0: now. You think Benner Dylan? Give me another one.
1: Dylan, do you want to go before I give mine?
2: Let me see who's been in the league for a long time. Maybe reach that mark. I don't. I think Freeman would be too soon, but he's a name that came to mind as going to get there at least if he's not there already. He is not there quite yet yeah let's see who's
0: who's been in the league for a long time
1: nelly cruz
0: nelly cruz absolutely right ben
1: i i know the last one too who was a former teammate of nelson cruz
0: ben you know it john can you give me a guess
3: honestly still drawing a
0: blank (laughs) all right ben wrap it up for us
1: the king of rock and roll himself elvis andrews
0: ben knows ball as we like to say absolutely
2: right ben i would have never gotten elvis andrews i I might have gotten my way to nelson cruz but i don't think i would have ever gotten elvis andrews although those rangers teams were elvis,
1: disgusting elvis was a machine and not to mention the fact played in the american league so his off day was dh yeah,
0: absolutely right next up though Shane Bieber, could the Guardians trade him? Give me some quick thoughts on if the Guardians could move him and what that trade could look like. Maybe I
1: See, I think the Guardians are going to have a hard time trading Shane Bieber because from what I have heard, the price teams are willing to pay for him is actually not that high and the reason for that is because they worry about his ability to pitch in the postseason. That is the biggest concern with Shane Bieber. Not to mention the fact the strikeouts are way down this year. He had a really good outing his last time out, his last start on Sunday. But prior to that, he really has not struck out a lot of guys. He's been able to go deep into games, six, seven innings. He's throwing a lot of quality starts. He is not getting a ton of strikeouts. He is also someone who has proven that he is not the same pitcher come October. And I think that's what's alarming for teams. I'm not sure the asking price for Cleveland is
0: going to be met. I don't think it'll be met either, but it's something to monitor.
2: Yeah, when I look at potential teams that could make a move for Shane Bieber in all reality, uh, I don't see the Yankees as an option. But you got to think what team feels like perhaps they could go on a run if they were to go out there and get Shane Bieber. So really, you could throw any team in the NL Central as a possibility because that's a wide-open division, and it's in the National League. Could you perhaps throw the San Francisco Giants in there? They wanted to be big spenders this offseason, kind of struck out, are battling in wild-card contention right now. I don't think that the Phillies or Mets would make a move for Bieber, but I wouldn't put it past either organization. I just don't see that as realistic at this point. And then if you look at the AL – Maybe Seattle, just because we know that they're better than what they're putting on. But I'm sure if the Guardians had their way, they would send Bieber to the NL.
1: Personally, I think the Phillies are the best fit for Shane Bieber, because I think they're going to be the most desperate team with their payroll. They know as long as they're within striking range, they're going to go. And they are well within striking range of the wildcard still. This is a team in Philadelphia. They know they're going to need the firepower to get over the top. They know the pitching hasn't been the same as what it was last year. Add Shane Bieber to the mix. All of a sudden, you're going to see the weight ease off of Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola a little bit. Maybe even Taiwan Walker, who now slides back into a number five spot, which is what he was with the Mets. Maybe you start seeing more consistency out of him again. Same for Ranger Suarez. Suarez is starting to pick it back up a little bit. Who knows? The Phillies, you send a guy like Painter the other way maybe you're able to pull this off.
3: I don't know if I would give Painter up for Shane Bieber, though, because you're talking like Painter's most likely going to end up being their, you know, next ace. But he's also
1: nowhere near touching the field this year.
3: I mean, I guess if the Phillies think they have a shot at getting the World Series and they think that they're just like one pitcher away from, from winning it all in Bieber, then I guess go for it. But, I mean, if you're not 100% sure, I just I, I don't think you give that much up for, for him.
0: All right, last thing in the news. The A's, their fans are doing a reverse boycott, something that we haven't seen before. They're packing the stadium where they plan to, at least, to show the ownership and the league that the fans are not the problem in Oakland. They're also going to be wearing shirts that say sell the team, or really they just say sell, implying sell the team, because the fans don't want Oakland to move to Vegas. And I'm right there with them. In my opinion, nine out of ten times, Owners are the problem in sports and they blame the fans and the turnout, similar things in Tampa. So I think it's interesting. Do you guys have any quick thoughts on the reverse boycott where they're going to pack the Coliseum in hopes to show that they should sell the team?
3: I, I love it, actually. I love it. I think it's just a good way. I think if, you know, if they pack it and it absolutely like gets sold out. I mean, I think you make the Oakland ownership look like clowns and stuff. And I mean, if they're all and if they're all wearing shirts that say sell the team, I mean, is the MLB going to try and censor it again with like they did with the sign in the outfield again or are they just going to let it, I mean, if, it feels like they're just going to make the MLB and Oakland just look like clowns and I I absolutely love it.
0: All right, let's move right into our studs and duds. For me, my stud of the week, Blake Snell. 13 innings pitch, one and 5 hits, 1 earned run, 3 walks, and 20 strikeouts from the Padres starting pitcher. Just a great week for him. Nice seeing him back to form. My dud, Mike Myers, Kansas City pitcher, 8 innings pitch, he's 0-2, 16 hits, 10 earned runs, 4 walks, 2 strikeouts, just a dud of a performance from him. Ben, hit me with it.
1: Yeah, for me, my stud is Aaron Nola with the Phillies. Outstanding outing against the Detroit Tigers at home. Despite dealing with a quick pitch clock, he was able to pick up the win, allowing just one hit. Did walk three, but he struck out 12, had one pickoff, and enough for a quality start. Really an outstanding outing for the ace in Philadelphia, someone that they really need to pick things up now my dud of the week it's alec manoa the guy we talked about earlier he really i mean just atrocious as we talked about not even sent down a triple a demoted all the way down into florida he's basically just gonna work with no noise and try to fix things dud of the week alec manoa no one worse
2: Yeah, so my stud of the week is J.D. Martinez, the D.H. for the Dodgers. Not the most impressive batting average going 5 of 23 this week, but when he hit the ball, it was a very solid hit basically every time as he had three doubles and two home runs, six RBIs this past week, was probably the most consistent player on offense for the Dodgers. Maybe Mookie bets more, but... Come on, that's Mookie bets. And then when you look at my dud of the week, it is the Milwaukee Brewers as a whole. I mean, this team has been disappointing, but you want to talk about real disappointment getting swept by the Oakland A's. Do I even need to say anything else?
3: So my stud and duds for the week, I have two rookies. My stud is Corbin Carroll, 13 hits, four home runs, nine RBIs, two walks, three stolen bases, batting 433. He's having a phenomenal year, and I think, I mean, I'm safe to say he's almost a lock for rookie of the year at this point with how he's performing, and I think it's a big reason why the Diamondbacks are just doing so well this year. Now for my dud is Anthony Volpe, another rookie for the Yankees. Despite having, you know, one home run and two RBIs this past week, he's only had three hits, fed him 167, and has just not been doing great on the year and actually has been doing so bad on the year that I finally dropped it for my fantasy team.
0: All right, let's keep it trucking here. Let's get into our rankings and some questions about some other teams around the league. John, I'm gonna hit you up first. You had the twins in your rankings. You ranked the twins at nine. What were you what was going through your mind ranking the twins? And what do you see out of them?
3: I mean, I think I think the twins have just been good pretty much, you know, all year basically. I mean, they're what are they? They're first in the AL Central and stuff, and they've been putting up good numbers and stuff. And they've been winning games. I think they, what are they? Did they, I think they swept the Astros a couple weeks ago or either they won that series and they just won a series against the blue Jays. And he had a few close games against the Rays. I mean, I think they're still a top 10 team. I mean, they're still winning and, you know, and they're first in the AL central, I think. And then they're only at nine. I don't have them that high.
0: All right, Dylan, you got the angels and blue Jays in your rankings this week. You got them at 9 and 10, Jays and Angels, respectively. What, What were your thoughts on these rankings this week and those two
2: teams? Yes, yeah, so we're at the point in the MLB season, we're getting those last couple spots in your rankings. There's really a lot of room for debate. And if you think that the Blue Jays and Angels shouldn't be in, I'm not going to argue with you too much, but as for Toronto, 37 and 30 on the season, seven and three in their last 10, they do have a plus 25 run differential and they are in the best division in baseball in the AL East. As I mentioned earlier with the Yankees treading water at 38 and 29, obviously Alec Manoa was supposed to be their ace, a Cy Young guy. He ends up being a dud of the year candidate potentially, and they're still seven games above 500. You got to respect them, and their lineup is absolutely insane. I believe they have three of the four infielders in the AL All Star voting currently. And then for the Angels, 36 and 31, plus 14 win differential, six and four in their last 10. And you got two of the Five, two of the three, depending how you look at it, best players in baseball in Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout. And I really put the Angels in just as a hope that this team's finally going to do something. I'd love to see Ohtani and Mike Trout potentially in a wild card baseball. Obviously not if it's at the expense of my Yankees, but, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there.
0: All right, Ben, for you, I got to ask you about the Marlins at six. And you were also the only one in outsider sports to have the Pirates in your rankings. So let me hear a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So, starting with the Marlins, you look at them, they're tied with the Dodgers for the third best record in the National League. So, right off the bat, that's justification enough to have them as a top six, seven team. You th- sprinkle in the fact that they're also eight and two in their last 10 games and keeping pace with the Braves just three and a half games back. To put into perspective, two teams that are expected to be playoff teams this year and still have playoff expectations, the Phillies and the Mets, eight and nine and a half games back, respectively. So, really, the Marlins, they have been cooking and boy oh boy, they've got something going. That we we talked about the pitching and how they always had pitching, always had pitching. Well, the offense is alive. Arias was the perfect acquisition for them. He's been fantastic got to love what you're seeing out of the Miami Marlins. Now, in terms of the Pirates, you know, I I threw them in there because they're 7 and 3 in their last 10 games and they're leading their division. They have a one game lead on the on the Brewers because of two games in the loss column. Now, you may see this flip-flop a little bit. These two teams do play this week. I believe it will be this weekend. So maybe the Pirates are able to hang on, but I like what they have. I like the mix of veteran and young players. I think the young guys are stepping up and, and they're performing. So what's there not to like about the Pirates, especially in that division? Although if Ellie De La Cruz continues to surge, we, we may see the Reds find themselves atop that division and maybe even in the division race.
0: Now I want to go back to John a little bit and kind of open it up to the floor to everybody though. Let's do a little Phillies talk and talk also about that pitch clock that's running a little quick, and the league doesn't want to fix it.
3: So uh, where to start with the Phillies? I mean, they were kind of on a slide a couple of weeks ago, but now they're kind of figuring it out, and I think they're on a, I think a five series win streak right at the moment now, and they're they're slowly creeping back up in the standings in the NL East. I mean, they're they're finally starting to hit. I mean, Schwarber's, you know, we got you know June Kyle Schwarber starting to hit and everything. You got, you know, Cassianos is still hitting. Harper's hidden. They're starting to hit and stuff, but it seems like I'm still worried about their pitching because it seems like Nola still hasn't figured it out. That's why I was kind of surprised that Ben picked them as his stud for the week after his game Saturday where he got completely destroyed by the Dodgers, gave up six six runs in that game, and it's just uh, he's just he has a what it, just has a four year a on the year, he's just not doing what I thought he was doing. I think he still needs to figure it out. But going like kind of say into the pitch clock here, I think the big problem with him is the pitch clock because there was a this uh that game Saturday, uh Rob Thompson got thrown out for kind of going out and talking to the ump. Because the ump was uh, warning Nola that he was throwing away too many balls and asking to, you know, get too many balls in. And there's no specific rule for that. But, you know, the ump was insinuating that he was doing it to kind of stall the pitch clock out. So, and then, and there's no rule for it. It was just really just up to the ump. And I think that's just, I think you're giving the umps too much power there when you're just making kind of judgment calls like that were just not good have on um, for us to have that much power and Rob Thompson got thrown out for, you know, defending his pitcher. Now you got, and then, but to go on and talk about that, there's also things about the pitch clock running faster in Philly. Apparently there is, there's averaging one pitch clock violation per game at citizen banks Park, which is the highest in the league. So I, I mean, I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, the MLB acknowledged that the pitch clock is faster in Philadelphia and they also acknowledged they're not going to do anything about it, which is ridiculous because it's just a clock at the end of the day. Like you're the MLB, a billion dollar league. You can't buy a new clock, put it in one of your bigger stadiums. I, it makes zero sense to me. And, you know, I have this analogy for the situation. Imagine my alarm clock breaks, I'm supposed to be at work at 8, 8 a.m. And all of a sudden I start showing up at 8 30, 8 45. Boss says, Oh, what's going on? I say, Oh, my alarm clock broke and he goes i want to just buy a new one ah uh, sorry i don't have any immediate plans for doing so imagine how that would go over for me i mean it's just unreal what they're doing at this point
1: yeah alarm clock's not in the budget for you dylan i get it but <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh look when all seriousness this is a joke when a report comes out that major league baseball did investigate this because the phillies have complained about this from all the way back in april And this is just now coming out uh, nationally wise, obviously in Philadelphia, they know that the pitch clock has been running fast all season long. But I mean, this comes out nationally that this is an issue. Opposing pitchers are complaining about it, talking with the Phillies guys. The Phillies guys say they go on the road. They just came back from a 10 game road swing. To come home to this pitch clock, and that's why Nola was dealing with all these issues, because the pitch clock is running fast, and that is an absolute disadvantage for the pitchers, because now your internal clock is thrown off, and that can throw everything off for you as a pitcher your entire game. Now, the fact that Major League Baseball hasn't fixed it is an absolute joke, like Dylan said. Seriously, you it's a clock. It's not like this is a major fix. There's no way this is so complicated that this can't be fixed in an afternoon. I mean, look, the Mets delayed opening day a day because their big scoreboard wasn't working. You think that was an easier fix than the pitch clock?
0: I personally think the league should be sued for fraud because you're, fraud- you're fraudulently uh, taking money away from, one, gamblers who bet on these games. Or these are outcomes, and two players who are being affected because one, these stats affect their salaries, and two, their health. Players are getting hurt because of this, having them speed up their internal clock all around. It's just a bad, bad thing. Last question for you guys before we get into our weekly series highlight is should we be concerned about the Dodgers? Three and seven in their last 10, and since May 14th, their last 25 games, they are 11 and 14 what's wrong in dodger town and is it something we should be worried about
2: yeah i'll answer this question um pretty quickly here no we shouldn't be concerned the dodgers are a team that have shown over the past however many years that they are consistently a great team they still have the best run differential in their division the second best in the nl simply put it's a skid it happens And two of the three teams that they faced the Yankees, who at the time had Aaron Judge healthy, were you're starting to get healthier as a team, and the Phillies, who we see are getting hot right now in June, seven and three in their last 10, as previously mentioned. Those are good teams. Yes, does it suck that yeah had a bad series in there with the Reds? Sure, but the Reds are one of the hotter teams in baseball, too. It happens, you know, two of those series on the road, I believe. It happens in baseball. It's a long season.
1: Look, you're not going to have a season like the Dodgers had every year. And, you know, this is still a really good baseball team. Their record is still really good, and they're right in the division race. I think this would be more concerning if the San Diego Padres were just on a hellacious tear and doing what everyone thought they would. Once again, they're underachieving. So the Dodgers, they have a little bit more wiggle room because the National League There's so much parity, and that might be why they're struggling as much. I know we talked about it on the show last time or two weeks ago. Is the National League really good, or is it really bad? And, you know, I had said, you know, I thought it was really top-heavy, and the rest of the teams were all very mediocre. But, Corey, maybe you were onto something, and maybe the National League just is a very deep league, and all of these teams have gone through rebuilds, and they're starting to come out at the right time.
0: Yeah, anything's possible. Now let's move on to our weekly series highlight, though. Almost started off Toronto at the Orioles. It's a big series in the AL East. All the teams are still playing extremely well. Toronto has been a little resurgent. Orioles have been pretty consistently good. So seeing these two teams face it off, it's going to really be a good interdivision matchup and really show what the Blue Jays are made out of. What do you guys have as your series to highlight this week?
2: Yeah, I'll keep mine short and sweet here. I'm taking Ella de la Cruz in the Cincinnati Reds visiting H-Town. What can the kid do on the big stage?
1: I'm going in a bit of a different direction, Dylan. I'm going with the Angels going into Texas. They're taking on the Rangers, and we're going to see an interesting pitching matchup. One maybe at the beginning of the season wouldn't have been so enticing. Shohei Otani versus Nathan Iavaldi. Iavaldi doing maybe what we expected DeGrom to do for this Texas team, and Shohei Otani is Shohei Otani should be an exciting matchup.
3: My weekly highlight is two teams that haven't really, I think, got much love this season is the the Marlins at the Mariners. You got the the Marlins, who I think are playing better than a lot of people, you know, expected them to, you know, play. And then you got the Mariners who are kind of not playing how you thought they were going to play. And I think it should be a good game.
0: And again, I do want to throw out there another series we talked about earlier, though, is the Subway Series. Yankees, Mets, always big in the New York area just a good old rivalry hopefully all the teams stay healthy because that's all we can ask for at this point without each team's season's going got alonzo out four to six judge probably out four to six just it's not fun but that's going to be an episode here with us check us out outsidersports.net look at our rankings and some other good stuff we got going on especially with the hockey finals wrapping up twitter outsidersports3 YouTube and TikTok, just search up Outsider Sports, you'll find us right there. But that's gonna do it. Keep it locked here till next week. We'll get into a little bit more All-Star Game talk as that wraps up and comes quickly.